Aloha from Maui, Hawaii, and welcome to the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. My name is Michael Benner, happy to be with you today. Got a big full cup of Hawaiian coffee, and it's a beautiful day. And uh, I'm real happy to be here, and very happy that you are here as well. As we discuss today, our topic for the day today is how to listen. How to listen, and I guess the subtitle would be, and why most people don't, either can't, or won't, or don't know how to listen. And it's true. If you just consider the number of times that you have been in a situation where you were talking to somebody about something that you thought was really important, And they're in the room, they seem to be paying attention, but you realize at some point they're not getting any of it. And maybe they don't even care, which is really rude. And on the other hand, to really listen to somebody carefully, to not talk and listen. I mean, you can talk when it's your turn, when you have an opportunity, but which is the gift? I guess that's really the primary point that I want to make today. It's, I think, obvious to most people, incorrect, but obvious, that the gift is in what I give you or offer you by my speech. And it's not true. It's not true. The gift is the listening. And then if you can acknowledge and provide some relevant feedback, Well, that's an even greater gift. You know, those awkward, let's take as an example a really awkward situation like uh, somebody you know um, has suffered a death in the family. And you go to the funeral home or you go to their house, their home perhaps. And you're in that difficult situation that everybody would rather avoid. Nobody really feels comfortable in those situations. What do you say? And people will often complain. Yeah, you know, I just hate that because I never know what to say. Well, how about considering that you don't have to say anything except I'm sorry. You know, um, I love you. If there's anything I can do for you, please let me know. And then don't say anything, but be a good listener. Boy, if you can get somebody's ear in a situation like that, I mean, if you can offer your ear is what I mean to say. If you can can get them to speak and sit there quietly, non-judgmentally, and listen to somebody express their grief to you. Or it could be a a very different situation. Maybe a friend of yours is really upset or angry or, or hurt in some way. And you find yourself again in a similarly awkward situation. Well, I don't know what to tell you. Well, then maybe you don't have to say much of anything. Maybe you could say, I don't know what to say, but I'll I'll be happy to listen to you. How do you feel about that? You know, a good therapist gets uh, 
somewhere between $100 and $200 an hour to say, basically, and then the how did you feel? Right? That's the number one line that most talk therapists say. That's about the only thing most of them say. And then the how did you feel? Prompting you to continue to talk about your feelings and to lend an ear and hopefully acknowledge what you're hearing and then play it back. We're going to talk about this in a little more detail in our program today. Again, I want to thank you, whether you're here live or listening by podcast, I appreciate you being here. We will go to questions and comments a little bit later in the class. And you can participate if you're with us live today, May 1st, 2011. If you're on the uh, Internet, on the web, on your computer, you can participate with the text box in the lower left. Be sure and enter your name and your city along with your question or your comment, and then click on the button that says Submit. I won't see it if you don't click on Submit and then send that through. You can do that at any time during the class. And uh, if you're listening by telephone or Skype, press star 2 on the dialer pad, and you can do that at any time, and it'll raise your hand. If you get anxious and press it again, the voice prompt will let you know where you are. You'll lower your hand, and then press it a third time, it'll raise your hand, and so on. So, you don't have to press it but once, star two, at any point, and that'll flag your telephone number. I don't see the number in most cases. I don't see the name. I see the city, and uh, that's pretty cool. Sometimes I don't even see the city, but I, I do see a little indication, a little hand goes up <laughs> that says the person on this line would like to be unmuted. So it's just like a radio talk show. I can answer you one at a time. It's one of the features of, of, of this system that I really, really like. You know, most conference calls, you either unmute everybody all at once, and then if there's like one barking dog in the background, everybody's going to hear it. Or one person rustling papers. We don't. We don't have to do that. We can just unmute the person that wants to be unmuted and leave the rest on mute. Or I could unmute two or three of you if you want to engage each other. You could say, hey, that person that called a few minutes ago, I'd like to ask them a question. right? And we can bring them back online if they're still there. So that's how that works. And even if you are here live, if you have to run, take your cell phone with you and put it on speaker, listen to it in the car. Or if you have to miss part of the class. Remember, it is podcast. There are, uh, I used to say 20 times more people. It now looks like more, more like 50 times more people that listen to the podcast than are actually here live, which is fine either way. Love to hear from you. And I hope you are forwarding these programs by going to theagelesswisdom.com every once in a while. Log in, click on enter to go inside, and then click on webinars. You'll see the whole archive along with a gadget you can use to forward these via email. 
to friends of yours. And we'll send the email out for you. All you got to do is enter their email address, and you can type a message in there if you want. Say, hey, I thought you might like this program. Now, I've got about a uh, two-minute soundbite I want to play for you here of the premium audio program that my partner in business for 35 years or so, Steve Snyder and I do, at a sister website called FocusedPassion.com. And these programs are... By subscription, only 99 cents. You can subscribe without a contract for 3.96 a month, less than a dollar a week, less than four dollars a month. They're studio quality programs. Again, both of us with more than 35 years of expertise in the field of personal development and empowerment. So these are really powerful conversations. If you like this class, you'll love these premium audio programs. You really will. And each one of them includes a guided imagery exercise. So you can practice your visualization and your meditation, which is the most important thing you can do, even more important than listening to new instructive information, is incorporating it into a meditation using focused passion what we often call narrow awake what brain researchers call the alpha brainwave level Uh, to use that on a daily basis is the most important thing that you can do to grow yourself uh, to change yourself to improve who you are so i took about a I think this is about two minutes or less, a little sound bite of Steve and me in our program from this past week, just to give you a little taste of what you're missing if you have not yet subscribed. Again, no contract. You can unsubscribe at any time. You get six free programs if you just sign up for a free account at focusedpassion.com so you can get a free taste, but... I wanted to. I really liked the program we did this past week. I want to share a little bit of it with you. So, this is from our website, focusedpassion.com, in our premium audio series, "Finding Yourself in Paradise." This is a program called "Finding Your Uniqueness," or I think actually we called it "Honoring Your Uniqueness." This is from focusedpassion.com. Have a listen. That's not the best definition of success. Then consider redefining success. What if success instead is doing what you love to do because that's what you're intended to do by your very makeup, nature and nurture, okay? What do you bring into the party that you can now develop in the environment in which you found yourself? So we take a look at how do you discover your uniqueness. How do you find out what's so unique about you? What's so special about you? What's different about you? What's one of a kind about you? How do you find that out? Well, the answer, obviously, if you think about it, has to be you go inside yourself and ask, because where else could the answer possibly exist? 
the only place in the universe that knows how special and unique and one-of-a-kind you are is inside of you. So it has to come in a process of going to paradise. It has to come in the alpha brainwave state. Because when you're in beta, when you're in your normal waking consciousness and you've got all these different things going on and, and there's all this input and there's lots of it's confusing, then the ego is in charge. And it's going to look for a way to like answer the question, um, what's unique about me or what's, what's uh, different or special about me, in ways that will help your survival, in, way, in ways that it will be coming from a fear place. Uh, the, the ego will be trying to move away from what it doesn't want. You know, Whatever it is, that you don't like, it's going to try and protect you from that. It's only when you feel safe. It's only when you relax and uh, breathe and let your body know that there's no danger and you're totally in this total focus concentration, amplified passion of interest, alpha brainwave state. The ego is put to the side. There's no danger for it to look out for in this place. And, and the higher self can take over. And that's the part of you that is like aiming you toward what you do want. The ego is like pushing you away from what you don't want. But the higher self is like pulling you toward what you do want. So the higher self is that whispering voice, and when the ego's there yelling at you, you don't hear it. But when you finally quiet down in this alpha state, you can ask that part of you in that quiet, inner peace place, what is unique about me? What am I meant to do? What's so special about being me? What, what about all the experiences I've had put together makes me uniquely qualified to do what? You ask yourself those kinds of questions. You go to the source where the answers exist, and whether you think you're being inspired by higher powers, the answer comes through you, or you think somehow this higher self is generating the answers and they come from you, however you're experiencing it happening, it's allow it to happen, allow it to come through, sit receptive, wait for the answer. It might come the first time you ask. You might have to ask a few times, and of course it might even alert the, the law of attraction, and you might notice it out in the world somewhere, but just plant the seed, ask sit receptive, wait for the answer, know that the answer will come to you, feel confident the answer will come to you. And if the answer isn't coming, just imagine the answer is coming, and that will even promote priming the pump and get the answer to come. You're the greatest source of information on the question, what's unique about me? So you need to quiet your mind and ask. Okay, so there you go. A little sound bite, a little sample from our most recent premium audio program. The series is called Finding Yourself in paradise and of course the self is the higher self the intuitive self the, uh, your better angels if you will some would say the spiritual aspect of who you really are your your oversoul if you will the indwelling soul and we all know the experience of suddenly being aware of a much smarter idea you know this uh, wait a minute wait a minute on second thought well where'd that second thought come from right or if you're being really negative and cynical and suddenly you get an idea some optimism bursts through like <laughs> like a ray of sunshine a ray of light and you wonder well where the heck did that come from that's this higher self well, if there's a higher self, then who and what is the ordinary self? Well, Steve said it. It's the ego, the egoic self. And it, by its very nature, is survival-oriented. That means it's fear-based. So the higher self is love-based. And where do you find it? Finding yourself in paradise? Well, the kingdom is within. The paradise is within. It's a peaceful, quiet, 
contemplative, introspective, reflective, meditative inner place, inner space, that again, you should be accessing several times a day when you need it. Anytime you're confused and don't know what to do, do this. You don't know how? Well, that's why we have this class, the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School, and the premium audio series that you can subscribe to. Join the people that are listening to both, because finding yourself in paradise, again, is studio quality. It's two of us in conversation. You get more than twice as much. Each includes a guided imagery exercise, and it's pocket change. It's, it's pennies. What can you get for 99 cents these days? Not even a cup of coffee. Not even a bad cup of coffee. (laughs) But you can get a a life-changing audio program when you subscribe for $3.96 a month at FocusedPassion.com. So at least go there after class today and get the free account. You'll get six sample programs, complete audio, premium audio programs that you can sample. Four of them are accelerated learning programs you can give to your kids so they'll immediately start doing better in school. My God, wouldn't you love to get your kids to learn how to calm down, how to relax, how to laser beam their attention, how to concentrate and improve their memory and their ability to understand? So four of the six free programs in the free account, our accelerated learning programs. Pretty cool. So check that out. Well, let's get on with our topic today, how to listen and why most people don't. Uh, I think that's a good place to begin, really. Why is it so hard to get somebody to pay attention? When you're in conversation, what's the challenge here? Now, make no mistake about it. Whether you realize this or not, it is true that nothing is important in your life. Nothing is more important than your relationships. Because love is everything. Tolstoy said love is the only thing. And, you know, the feeling of emptiness, of dissatisfaction, of loneliness and alienation when you don't get enough exposure to other people. Now, of course, everybody likes a little bit of alone time. Some people like more alone time than others. Uh, Often if we're, depending on our work environment or the kind of town or city that we live in, we may long or a dream of a lonely mountain cabin, isolated, where I could just be, <laughs> be left alone. But how long do you think you'd be up there before you wanted to come back to the city? You know, sometimes people will talk about Walden and Thoreau's uh, exercise in solitude and self-reliance, and they really misunderstand Walden. Thoreau did not go to Walden Pond to practice self-reliance. 
uh, or to experience solitude. You went there to practice mindfulness, to be aware of what's happening right now in the moment. And you wanted, obviously, to minimize distractions and to move into nature, which is very predictable and much more reliable than urban life, where people are unpredictable and unreliable. So I'm, in my mind anyway, very clear that Walden was more about the practice of mindful awareness and watching yourself think, practicing the development, not of thinking, but being aware of your thought process and not only feeling your feelings, but being really intimately aware of how you feel. Mindful awareness is a very important concept, part of meditation and should be part of your meditative practice every day. Again, whether you set aside 10 or 15 minutes on a regular basis to practice using these altered states of deep relaxation and focus, attention, expanded awareness, or whether you apply it as a series of tools throughout your day whenever you're confused and don't know what to do before you make an important decision. Is it a practice of yours to say to yourself or even to other people, hold on a second, let me think about this. And then you consciously breathe, relax, Close your eyes and access a state of expanded awareness. Now, we're at a stage in our evolution where the vast majority of human beings still do not do that. And so they're making decisions, and when it comes to today's topic, engaging in conversation that's right off the top of a head Right, that is full of eight or ten ideas all shouting at you and competing for your attention. Listen to me, say this. We're in conversation and your brain is shouting at you. Well, say this. Well, tell them that. Well, what about this? Well, don't forget that. Well, and we're so focused on what we're going to say next that we're busy with that. And unable, in most cases, to really pay attention, to focus. So the first skill when it comes to today's topic, how to listen, is relaxation. To feel safe and relaxed. And if you don't feel safe and relaxed in the conversation, then take a slow, deep breath and actually create and sense within your body a feeling of letting go. Most of us are on guard, regardless of the nature of the conversation. It could be your best friends, and you feel completely uh, unthreatened, but you're still nervous about the conversation, so much so that instead of listening to other people, what most people are doing, and I can't say to what extent this is true for you. I know to what extent it's true for me because conversation for me was a career. It still is, in a sense. 
I mean, I've, as I speak to you right now, I've got voices in my head saying, well, go in this direction. Well, develop this argument, and then be sure and state this, right? But as I learned to interview people on the radio over the years, and then in my practice as a stress management counselor and a hypnotherapist, I really learned to listen carefully to people. And I realized what a gift that was. Again, as I, as I mentioned uh, to the people that are live before we started the podcast recorder here today, uh, so much of what passes for conversation is people planning what they're going to say as soon as they get the next chance to speak. And this all comes from this idea that speaking is the great gift. That what I say to somebody is what I'm giving them. And that's not true. Often what you say to people is what you take from them. The real gift is in the listening. I think that's the most important thing I can express today. That the real gift to other people, to enhance your relationships. And as I say, relationships are everything. Love, caring for other people, discovering and developing your connection to people is really what life's all about. You appear to be a separate, lonely creature. In fact, you are part of humanity, the oneness of all life. Not only humanity, but the 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 animal kingdom, the plant kingdom, even the mineral kingdom is part of the one thing, the one life. There's only one of us here. But we exist in what appear to be separate units of consciousness. They're nothing but unique points of view. There is really a group consciousness. Religious people call it God. But it's not separate. It's a totality that excludes no thing. Well, we have a unique point of view. We're a unit of consciousness and that wholeness incarnated into these apparently separated bodies. Certainly the bodies are separated forms. And we live in a world of separated forms. But the essence of who you are is an ocean of awareness, an ocean of consciousness. And that can be realized. You can prove that to yourself. I don't think you can prove it to others. <laughs> I don't know any way to prove this to others, although quantum physics, so-called quantum mechanics, string theory and the new sciences are getting close to proving it. But the observer effect is 70, 80 years old, and the vast majority of human beings have no idea what the observer effect even is in, in, in quantum physics, the idea that your beliefs and your expectations and your attitudes affect the outcome of 
any experiment, that you cannot isolate consciousness from material reality. There will be a day, a hundred years from now, perhaps, hopefully sooner, a so-called new age, when people understand the oneness of all things. You can accelerate your growth toward that place by learning to be a good listener, right? And developing your relationships by understanding that the real gift that you offer in conversation is listening. I'm going to listen to all of you in a minute. Hopefully we'll get some really great questions as well as comments. People always say, hello, how you doing? Great class. I love those comments, but I'd love some questions as well. I'd like to listen and hear what you have to say, whether you type it as text on the web or press star 2 on your dialer when we go to the telephone calls in just a few minutes. So listening is the gift. That's my primary point. All right. And let's talk a little about the practical tools and techniques of being a better listener. Uh, first of all, as you, let me say this, as you come to understand yourself better, to have more self-confidence about who you really are, why you think and feel and act the way you do, What's so damn lovable about you? <laughs> what makes you unique? Like the little segment I played of Stephen Me honoring your uniqueness, your individuality. I know it's a little paradoxical to say we're all part of one thing and each of us has this unique point of view and expresses in unique and diverse ways, but it's simply a paradox. It's a valid and true paradox. You see the same thing in ecology, where the unity of the environment, the strength of the planet's ecosystem, its wholeness, is based upon the diversity of species. And within a given species, the diversity of the individuals, the uniqueness of all life forms, is where the larger whole gets its strength. Can you imagine how weak humanity would be if we were all exactly alike? How, how, how boring, first of all. How pathetic. This is something I've never understood about so-called conservative thinkers. They seem to want I say seem, I don't really understand the mentality. I understand fiscal conservatism, the desire for, you know, fiscal responsibility and smaller uh, government, those kinds of things. I understand that. But like the social conservative generally wants everybody to agree with them. They want everybody to go back to the 1950s or the 19th century, <laughs> and all think alike and all agree, you know. You listen to these right-wing talk show hosts, anybody who disagrees with them is wrong. So you don't find that on the left. The left 
people have strong opinions, but they celebrate generally, anyway, diversity and they want people to disagree. They're much more tolerant. You know, that's what a liberal arts education teaches you how to be a, a liberal artist, <laughs> how, to, how to not only tolerate but embrace diversity as enriching. And so it's a little paradoxical to talk about unity and diversity, or as the old mystics would say, the one and the many. But you have to learn to work with paradox if you're going to involve yourself in any kind of philosophy. This is where truth is found. I think it's Lao Tzu, the Chinese philosopher from 500 BC or so, who wrote famously that truth is found in paradox. If you're looking for the great truths, you don't go to one pole or the other pole. You go to the magnetic field that unifies the two poles, the polarities. You go to the whole thing. You you look at the, the paradox of how can the North Pole and the South Pole appear to be opposite and yet at the same time contribute to a single magnetic field? It's a beautiful concept. You know, the bar magnet, <laughs> that alone is a very profound philosophy. Well, conversation, I think, is similar. Where even if we have a conversation where we disagree, we ought to emphasize listening, not only as a gift to the other person, the best thing you can do is listen to them, but also a gift to yourself. You'll learn more and understand much more if you listen to a person, especially when they disagree with you. This is hard for many people. It's difficult for most of us, much of the time, to listen to somebody we disagree with. All right. I quoted Lao Tzu. I might as well quote an ancient Greek. It was Aristotle that said famously, it's the mark of an intelligent person if they are able to consider an idea that they do not believe in. You have to be an intelligent, not only a self-confident, but truly an intelligent person to ponder an idea that you do not believe. To turn it around, to flip it over, to walk all around it, to look over, under, sideways, and down, and carefully examine something that you've already decided is not true, could not be valid, uh, <laughs> right? And yet there's always something for you to learn. Well, again, it takes a certain amount of self-confidence and ease for you to stop planning, put on hold, the tendency to plan what you're going to say as soon as the conversation gets tossed to you. And this could be in a group of three, four, five, or more people talking, or it could be in the common two-way conversation 
most people are not good listeners because they're planning what they're going to say next. This is the way I did radio interviews when I was a kid. I'd ask a question, and while the person that I'm interviewing on the radio is answering the question, I'm deciding my next question. Well, that is totally uh, amateur, novice interviewing. And I always had to laugh as I got older, more mature, and more skilled. Some guests will show up for a radio interview and give you a list of questions. Or their a PR person up front will email you, or back in the day, send you hard copy in the mail, a list of questions to ask. It makes for the most disjointed interview. Because you ask a question, they give you an answer, and then you leap to an entirely different subject asking the next question, which they attempt to answer, and then without any connection, you jump to the next question. This is often what passes for casual conversation. Because instead of listening, you're so insecure, most of us, as I was as a young interviewer on the radio, so insecure about what I was going to say next, that I was planning that instead of doing what I should have been doing and what I very quickly learn to do, which is listen. I'm not going to forget what to say. I'm not going to run out of things to say. That's never happened. And even if I pause a minute, or in the worst case scenario, if I didn't know what to say, you know what I would say? I would say, I'm not sure what to say, <laughs> which would be a compliment to the person you're talking to. Like, whoa, you just blew me away. I don't know what to say to that. Just be candid and be honest and truthful. Drop the game. Abandon the charade. Give up the need, the fear-based need, the false need to plan what you're going to say next and lend your attention to the listening. It's much more important for the quality of the relationship to offer this gift of listening than just to yammer. And as soon as there's a lull in the conversation, jump in with what you've been planning your next speech. Boy, won't you impress them. No, you want to impress them. Listen to what they say. And then here's the second part. Are you ready? Acknowledge what they have said. Wow. Play it back. Isn't that far out? Have you ever thought to do that? Has anybody suggested to you to do that in conversation? Again, a radio interviewer may be taught to do that. Certainly a therapist or a counselor will be taught to acknowledge and reflect, in fact, in therapy, it's even called reflective communication. We, we teach it to married couples as a skill. This is how you listen, acknowledge, and play back 
what you've heard to the other person. Just forget your own agenda for a minute. Put it aside. You'll get to it. You want to be a leader? In, you, want, <laughs> you want to be a leader in this relationship? Lead by putting your agenda aside and following the direction laid down by the person or people you're in conversation with. And so when they finish, play it back. Say, well, let me see. If I understand you correctly, are you telling me that you think that la-da-da-da-da-da? Because I'm hearing you say da-dee-da-dee-da-dee. Is that right? Is that what you're saying? Oh, man, now you're in total control. It doesn't even occur to people that real management, real leadership in conversation comes from asking questions and listening to the answers. Most people want to talk. Like, I'm going to lead the direction here by what I say. No, you're not. (laughs) It's just a battle. It becomes adversarial. If you want to be a real leader... Ask questions. Why do you suppose people in authority do not like to be questioned? You know the phrase, questioning my authority? I mean, parents and school teachers think questions are cute in little kids, but only to a point. Then it's like, would you shut up with the question? Stop questioning. Hey, are you questioning my authority? Because I say so, that's why. (laughs) <laughs> in other words, I don't know the answer to your question. So it's be- it's it's because I say so, that's why. <laughs> Police don't like being questioned. Judges don't like being questioned. Drill sergeants in the military don't like being questioned. Because they have the authority, they have the power, and to question somebody takes it away. So in a normal, casual, day-to-day conversation with, with another person or a group of people, to acknowledge what you've heard them say, to repeat it, to play it back, and then to question them on that, having put your whole agenda aside, really makes you the leader. There's extraordinary power in questions. In fact, the shorter the question, the more powerful it is. This is another way that you can tell a bad therapist or a bad interviewer. All right? They, as I've already stated, the question doesn't indicate or the response doesn't really indicate that they were listening to what you said. And if you would, as I say, listen and acknowledge and then reflect, you have total control of the conversation. Then at any time, if the other person is half as literate, half as conscious as you are, They're going to really appreciate that. Anybody would appreciate it. But they will toss it back to you at some point. Wait for that. Wait for them to say, well, 
What do you think about this? Wow. They want to know what I think. You don't have to interrupt. You don't have to breathlessly jump in at the first opportunity. You're waiting until they ask. Because you've gone out of your way to listen to them. And to acknowledge it and play it back. Reflect it. And finally, if if they're half as literate as as they should be or could be, they're going to say, well, hey, how do you feel about this or what do you think about this? And there's your entree, right? And you might even want to defer even at that. You might say, well, I don't know. I, I guess I agree with you or I've got a few ideas about that, something I'd like to add to that. Yeah, thanks for asking. Who's the leader in that conversation? And you benefit by benefiting others. It's the gift that keeps on giving. You know, if you listen and acknowledge and reflect, play back to the person what you've heard them say, you've given them a gift and then you receive the gift of giving. The gift that comes with making somebody feel good. It always feels good. It stimulates the vagus nerve. It makes you healthy. It it generates brain transmitters. It heals you. It's called love. It's a kindness. It's a consideration. And it's also incredibly powerful when it comes to being a leader in groups. This person is a good listener. Who are they going to come to when they want to be heard? when they want a sounding board, when they want an idea what other people think about what they have to say or how they feel, they're going to come back to you. And that's going to help you develop better relationships. And that's pretty much it. That's pretty much all I have to say. I I think there's a few other things like maintaining good eye contact and maybe, you know, Watch your body language. Square your body. Don't don't turn away from them. Stay square to the person you're listening to or essentially face them. Eye contact is important, but staring is always awkward. If you feel uncomfortable looking right into somebody's eyes, look at their mouths. Most people will not know the difference. Some people can tell the difference. But most people will not notice if you watch the mouth while they speak. And it's much easier to watch somebody's mouth than to look in their eyes. Staring to somebody's eyes is incredibly powerful. And it's intimidating in many ways because you feel like People are looking right through you. And again, if you're insecure, and most people are, if you don't know who you are, and they said most of us don't, unless you're practicing the kinds of tools and techniques we talk about every week in this class, and then the Finding Yourself in Paradise premium audio series, you're going to be uncomfortable with that, or you may be. So, Look at the tip of their nose or watch their mouth. 
But at least pay attention. Look in their direction. Smile, nod, right? Shift your body a little bit, move forward one minute, then sit back. All kinds of very important subtle cues and clues are communicated through body language. So be conscious of that. Be aware of that. While you're listening to what they say, while you're drinking it in with the intention of acknowledging it by reflecting it back to them. That's the first thing you're going to do when they're done talking. Whether you absolutely agree and support what they have to say, or even if you disagree and plan to argue with it, wouldn't it be a great approach to an argument to say, wait a minute, let me make sure you have this, or or, let me make sure I have this right. You're telling me that the way you feel about this is da-da-da-da-da. Again, can you feel the power in that? There's nothing we have to say that that, (laughs) that is so important that we can't defer to the other person. Again, it's incredibly powerful and really puts you in charge. And then to ask some questions. Then how did you feel? Well, tell me more. Well, then what happened? Oh, my God. Goodness, that's the most wonderful gift that you can offer to be a good listener. People will love you. They will beat a path to your door. They just want to be with you. They will give you things. (laughs) And guess what? If you really need them, the chances that they're going to be there are much greater if you've been a good listener than if you were just planning your next speech and waiting for them to take a breath so you could jump in and offer your two cents worth. Okay, got it? Good. Let's go to the uh, questions and comments. Again, if you're on the telephone or Skype, press star two. And we'll come to you in just a minute. Let's start with the Q&A on the web. See what folks have to say today. Well, I've got Randy from Dublin, Ireland, a friend of mine for a long time, who's here. Hello, Randy. Wonderful to hear from you. And it must be uh, about 11 hours difference, probably about 10 o'clock at night there right now. And Randy says, what's it mean in relating to others when they cut off all communication, abruptly cut you out of their lives? The background being nothing malicious has been said, and all is even keel, just conversation exploring normal spiritual-like stuff, in quotes. He said, Uh, This has happened to me on several occasions with people and I am left without understanding. Uh, Let me see, Randy. I can get a better understanding. What's it mean in relating to others when they cut off communication abruptly? Cut you out of their lives. Oh, just cut you out of their lives altogether. Well, the first thing that would occur to me 
Randy, is that they don't want to hear what you have to say, probably because it's frightening or intimidating or scary. And you might say to yourself, if that occurred to you, well, there's nothing really scary in what I'm saying. In fact, I'm sharing it because I find it quite liberating. But remember, at its root, whether we call it fear or just nervousness, or anxiety, or stress, or worry, or doubt, or apprehension, whatever word we use for our fear, it's always things unknown. And the bullseye, the target, the center bit of things unknown always have to do with the self. Now, knowing you as well as I do, and the quality of friends that you guys have around you, it could be that most people are used to that kind of conversation, getting getting right down to it. Because I think most of your friends are comfortable in their own skins. I know you and Mel are. That's, you know, part of what we love about the people we love is that they're comfortable being who they are. You call it confident, if you will. I like to call it comfortable. Well, there may be others who are not comfortable with who they are. And fear, anxiety, stress, whatever term we use for it, really indicates at the roots, ultimately, what people do not understand about themselves. So if you're scaring them, you're bringing up what they do not understand about themselves. And while you and I may love that, (laughs) that's our favorite place to go with conversation. That's where... The real meaning is many others don't want to go there. They're terrified. Now we can go to compassion with that real easily because to be afraid of yourself is usually the result of having been criticized pretty severely in your life. And you probably learned it as a child. You don't have to be Freud. You don't need to go tea to stroke your chin and say, well, tell me about your childhood. When did you learn to be that hurt? When were you damaged? Right. So people with very critical parents, people whose parents thought that's what parenting is, is to criticize the kids, to keep taking them down a peg or two and never building them up, you know, There's a certain amount of correction and discipline that every parent needs to do, but there should also be some uplifting, too, along the way, some celebrating. Hey, that's the way to do it. There you go. Now you're getting better, and a lot of us didn't get that in childhood. So we feel basically inadequate, and anything that confuses us touches on that inadequacy. Can you imagine? Anytime you're baffled, or confused, you unconsciously feel threatened by your own inadequacy? Could be, not sure. I'm just guessing. But if people cut you, not only cut you off, but cut you out of their lives, um, I would say whether it's anger or upset 
Whatever the negative feeling, remember there's always fear at the root of everything that hurts emotionally or physically. All pain is rooted in fear, and all fear is what we don't know, and the center of all of that is the self. Thanks. Nice hearing from you. Thanks for staying up late. Give our alohas and love to Bill. Carol Postello is with us from La Habra. Says aloha and happy Mother's Day to you and Doreen. My God, is it really Mother's Day? I thought Mother's Day was later in the month. I'm going to have to make a phone call to Mom today. Yikes. Bill Jaffe in Canova Park says, uh, hello, I'm here. Good. Appreciate that. Thank you, Phil. Donna and Mark Brisky are with us today from St. Gabriel. Hi, you guys. So we're listening live this afternoon. Great to be with you. Hello, said their best to Doreen. Donna and Mark usually uh, listen to the podcast. They like to put it on disc and listen in the car. Lots of people do that. Or... Lots of cars now have a way that you can just plug your iPod into the dashboard. That's very cool. JJ says, Aloha, Michael. What's the best way to handle a bully? Thanks for your reply. Don't know where JJ is, but or who he is or she is. But best way to handle a bully? Well, I was going to say beat him up, but I don't... <laughs> I don't think that really is the best way to handle a bully. It's difficult to give you a general answer because it's much easier for an adult to resist or avoid being bullied than a child. And it's the kids that are most susceptible to bullying who have the greatest fears of not being adequate to pull on what I was just saying to Randy there. Uh, and, and it's really hard to say to a kid, well, you just need to be more self-confident because they're kids. They don't have the life experience yet to pull upon. They, they haven't accumulated sufficient evidence to say, I don't care what these people think of me. But as adults, we do. The older and more mature we get, the easier it is to reflect upon your experience and say humbly, I'm smarter than that. You know, I'm kinder than that. I'm wiser than that. I, that's not true, this nasty, mean thing you're saying about yourself. It's just not true. You can bully me all you want. You can also handle it with humor. I saw a little soundbite this morning, a little little video clip from the White House Correspondents' Dinner of how Barack Obama handled Donald Trump, who is a bully, who is a racist bully, right? Uh, who has no intention of running for president. He's already signed the contract. NBC won't announce it, announce it yet because they want to build ratings and make money. But he's already signed the contract to do his 
fake reality show for another year, so he couldn't possibly run for president. He needs the work. He needs the job. He needs the paycheck. He's not that rich. He's been bankrupt four times. So he will bring down uh, or attempt to humiliate the president of the United States and disparage the office for his own profits and be supported by a big corporation like NBC owned by General Electric and these 30-year-olds, these these executives that support him and allow him to do this. That's bullying, right? This black guy doesn't know his place. What's he doing? We want to see his birth certificate. How did Obama handle bullying in that case? You got <laughs> you got to check it out. If you can, go to YouTube. If you if you didn't DVR the program from C-SPAN and uh, watch how Obama just completely, with a great deal of class, handles the bullying about his birth certificate and addresses directly Donald Trump and Michelle Bachman the original birther and all of the people at Fox News, he handled it with humor. And what a wonderful release. Everybody gets a laugh out of it. When the laughter dies down, it's still mean, ugly racism. But all bullying is mean and ugly. So I I think an adult can handle bullying by just being responsible for their own self-image and, and confidence. It's it's more difficult with kids. That's why I think it's real important for schools to teach children from day one, from kindergarten on, or even in preschool. When these kids are four years old, five years old, six years old, they're just sponges. Their brains are still developing. They're still in the birth process, really coming into the objective world, teach them that whoever you are, however different you may be, you are wonderful and valuable and smart and beautiful and deserve dignity and respect, but that you've got to provide it for yourself. Self-respect does not come from other people. Self-respect is granted to yourself, you see. And then not only are you more amenable to the respect that others have for you, but you're more immune to disrespect when somebody heaps it upon you. You know, the idea that uh, kids uh, have a phrase of being dissed for the last 10 or 15 years, this idea of being disrespected or dissed, is entered into our lexicon. You know, you say to the gang kid, why'd you kill that guy? Well, he dissed me. What do you mean he dissed you? Well, he, he gave me a look of disrespect. Well, if this kid had been taught to respect himself, how could anybody disrespect him? You become immune. We need to teach our kids that. Then nobody can bully you. If somebody bullied me, I'd laugh at them. It's like, <laughs> what's your problem? You know. Remember that famous Jacob Boma quote, the 
mystic Jacob Bohm said, what the self describes, describes the self. That's a grown-up version of I know you are, what am I? <laughs> you know, it takes one to know one, the playground stuff for adults. What the self describes, describes the self. Write that down. Remember that. Get that clear when somebody bullies you or antagonizes you somehow. Thanks, JJ. Hey, uh, uh, Bob Fiegel is with us. Rob Fiegel from Irvine. Aloha, Michael. As always, great class. It's amazing how much you learn when you just listen. And you'll be surprised how many new friends you'll make. Have a magical week of peace and love. Thanks, Rob. John Bowles in Pittsburgh, PA. Is with us. Hi, Johnny. He says, Aloha, Michael Doreen. Peace to everyone. Oh, wait a minute. My screen just refreshed. Where did it go? Let me go back to the QA here. And, uh, okay, here it comes. Whole bunch of people here. We're not going to have time for everybody because I've I'm cutting the length of this class down. I don't want to go more than 90 minutes. And after a few weeks, I'm going to see if I can cut it down to an hour. Oh, darn, it just did it again. I got some kind of glitch here. It keeps, wants, keeps wanting to refresh my page. All right, so uh, besides Johnny, let's see. Laurel I. Hatch in Tucson says... Um, this is sort of long. She's talking about being in a seven-week training and having just graduated to be a flight attendant for Delta Airlines. That's wonderful, Lorelai. Uh, even though I missed some shows during that time, I want you to know that uh, I wanted to call you many times and decided to uh, recall the resources of what you've taught me in the past. And I trusted that, and it worked. Yeah, see, you already knew the answers. Training was very difficult at times, and I became discouraged and cried a bunch of times. At one point, thought I was going to just bail. And that's my word. She says, I thought I was just going to go home in the middle of the training, but I want to say thank you, because I believed in her. She believed in herself. That's great, Lorelai. That's wonderful. Congratulations. Meredith by the Sea says, Aloha, great topic. And Bruce in Brookings is with us. Greetings. Brookings, Oregon, that is. He says, we all generate, or no, we, we all, uh, let me, it's a question. Are we generally poor listeners because we've been conditioned to strive to win at all things? It seems that many conversations come down to a contest of who's right and who's smart. Yeah competitive nature of things. The I Am documentary that people are starting to talk about proves that studies of nature have indicated that species that compete are much more likely to become extinct than species that cooperate. That, that competition is not normal. That it's... Uh, Oh, this is interesting. That uh, uh, competition is not natural. That cooperation is the norm. 
Uh, Doreen just handed me a note that said, uh, listen is an anagram for silent. <laughs> That's pretty cool, isn't it? Uh, in Cyprus, Zen is with us today. Hi, Zen. And he or she says, great to hear you again. Or should I say listening? Uh, got new speakers for the computer. Cool. Crank it up. Crank it up. In Arcadia, Judy Kraft says aloha. Excellent class. Dale and Lisa in Burbank. Good friends of mine. How are you guys? It's a great topic, great talk, both enjoying it. A uh, topic just came to came up in one of our discussions literally minutes before finding out that's what you were going to talk about today. I like it when life works like that. Yeah, it's a pattern, so pay attention, right? In Albuquerque, Diane is with us. Aloha. She says Mother's Day is the 8th. Oh, good. It is a week from today. Carol had me worried. Thank you, Diane. Enjoy the class. <laughs> I got time to get a card out. Uh, and JJ again, Michael, I think adult bullies need to be ignored. Uh, they probably need our compassion. Yeah, everybody needs our compassion, that's for sure. We need to be compassionate. And uh, again, thanks to Doreen for uh, her anagram. Let's go to the telephones. we got just a few minutes remaining. And I see Patricia is on the line. And Hello, Patricia. Good morning, good afternoon. Hi, Michael. Thanks for calling. Uh, yeah, I, I'm glad you did this topic also because I've been, I know that I'm a, I've been a really poor listener. Everybody tells me that. I don't know why. Probably what you say, insecurity. Well, at least you heard him say it. Yeah. <laughs> My daughter. <laughs> well, she, I've been practicing a lot, and I'm getting, I'm getting to enjoy just kicking back and listening. Why do you think it's been a problem for you? I don't know. I guess it's, uh, I want to be heard, I guess. I don't know. Well, you probably. The spotlight. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think that's but, I I don't I think it's what you said like insecurity about myself. Yeah, that that, that's, that makes more sense. But I've been reading this uh, book by Eckhart Tolle. It's called uh-huh. the, it's called the Pocket. Uh, not not Eckhart Tolle. Krishnamurti. Oh yeah. It's called the Pocket Krishnamurti. It's a little book, and it's got the art of listening. It also has the but there's also this other chapters the the art of seeing, which includes listening. It's really good, you know. He says that we only uh, we only see and it, you know experience things with a very small portion of our brain, and we don't really see anything that way. We see things that we've already late. We only label things. And a lot of people just look at a tree and just think of the word tree and the you know picture of a tree, and then just don't really see the tree. Yeah, that's a concept sometimes called beginner's mind. Yeah. And what happens is if we are exposed to something, whether we see it or hear it or even feel it, and it's repeated enough times, we make this assumption that we already know about this thing. When, you know, in fact, there would be so much more to know about it if we would listen with new ears or see with new eyes. And so beginner's mind is a practice of looking at something or experiencing a circumstance or situation as if it's 
never happened before, or at least some part of this experience or this uh, uh, conversation I'm listening to or this tree I'm looking at, something about it's brand new. I've never seen this particular tree. Oh, my goodness. That's, you can do this with, um, I used to do this in class. I'd have people take out a pencil or a coin from their pocket and say, look at that coin, that nickel, that dime, that quarter, whatever, as if you'd never seen one before. And tell me the first thing you see there that you've never noticed before. And everybody comes up with something. They've been carrying pocket change all of their lives. And yet, oh my God, the the nickel is flat on the edge, and the quarter has ridges. I never really noticed that, you know, or whatever. So, yeah. Well, he also said that see, to see everything is to see it with all of your senses. That's yeah. That's that's the idea of really being mindfully aware, because you know, when we die, we will have awareness. And the ability to think and feel, but they won't be the way we think and feel now. Our thoughts and feelings as human beings tend to be separated. And there is a quality of awareness that's available in meditation where your thoughts become very quiet, very few in number. Then you go for the gaps between the thoughts. Right, And the same thing with your feelings, they become very calm, like the surface of a pool of water that is perfectly mirror-like. And yet, not only do you not become less aware with fewer thoughts and fewer feelings, you become more aware with fewer thoughts and fewer feelings. And they get in the way. <laughs> Isn't that bizarre? I'm almost out of time, Patricia. Thanks. Okay, well, thank you for taking me on. Have a wonderful day. You too. Thanks for listening. Okay, aloha. <laughs> thank you. Mahalo, aloha. Okay, yeah, I'm trying to cut down on the length of these. I could easily go another half hour, but I'm I'm going to try and get it down to an hour and a half, and eventually even an hour. It's it's difficult to do. You know, Mark Twain, I think, said uh, uh, at the end of a long letter to a friend, sorry about such a long letter. I would have written a much shorter letter, but I just didn't have the time. And I think you probably know what he's talking about. You know what he means. So thanks very much for being here. I hope you'll check out our premium audio series at FocusedPassion.com. Sign up for the free account, uh, the top radio button is already clicked when you go there. Just leave your name and your email address. You'll get a free account with six programs, four of them accelerated learning programs. And then if you want to come back later and subscribe, these are normally $5 a piece, these classes. You can subscribe for less than $4 a month, 99 cents each at focusedpassion.com. Again, Really appreciate you being here. Use the Send One to a Friend gadget at our sister website, theagelesswisdom.com. Just click on Enter to go inside and then click on Webinar. You'll see the archives, 150 classes in there. 
and the send one to a friend gadget, you'll find a similar link at the bottom of each newsletter. And sign up for the Ning site if you haven't done that, theagelesswisdom.ning.com. Upload some JPEGs. Take a look at Patricia's artwork. The woman that was just on the phone, look at her artwork on the JPEG section. Upload a video. Uh, write a blog entry or start a discussion thread. All like-minded women and men at theagelesswisdom.ning.com. And as always, be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. This is Michael Benner. Aloha from Maui. <laughs>